It's going to be interesting. So Super Bowls in Arizona, so there's no way. There's no way the Cardinals are going. There's, there's no way. So it's going to end the string. It's going to end the string. It's Going to end our uh, going to end our winning streak of picking the Super Bowl winners, but it worked. Two years in a row, the streak is going to end. Okay, thank us for the ESBC Horse Racing True Crime Podcast. Uh, it's gratifying to see two years in a row where the horse racing podcast is getting and approaching to as many downloads as the NFL podcast, which traditionally has been the, the one with the most uh, downloads. So who the hell are we? And why the heck do you listen to us? I have a master's of business administration. Who cares, right? My educated idiots out there. But I parlayed that to having successful businesses at a restaurant. I invested $6,000 with it five years later. A lot of fun along the way, sold it for 800,000. I have three businesses. I live in expensive Southern California as well. I have clients that worth 50 million and above. Uh, man, time flies for over a decade. Uh, this trust has been built and I've been able to live well. I married up been married for 18 years. My wife's a psychotherapist. It's relevant to the True Crime Podcast because what we do, I graduated from the Pointer Institute of Media Studies because I won a national award for sports writing in high school and got that's where I got introduced to Hall of Fame, NFL, beat writer, Sports Illustrated writer, Don Banks, and we had his son, Michael Banks, in one of the podcasts. So I use all that training so you get insight into predicting outcomes of NFL football games, college basketball games, college football games. In the NBA playoffs, we did not do as well as we would like. There was still 56%. And my bankroll is up back to over $15,000 because I took some money out, put it in Coinbase, and Bitcoin back up. Uh, time horizon is three months. So by the time football season starts in three months, I'm thinking that bankroll from the NBA playoffs is going to be 20000 And I always like to start in the NFL season with $120,000 and I bet $1,000 on each game. Bankroll that's been built up 25 years, but really in the last 13 years, where I started learning from my mistakes. And you get to benefit because you don't have to make that mistakes. You can make as much money as Jason has, gave us great feedback, as Tim has, gave us great feedback. I have all these testimonials on the website. And in addition to that, uh, Jimmy, Won it in horse racing. And this goes back, this is perfect application because what we do here 
is to use business and financial concepts. Fundamental analysis, the same way for my securities license, that you, that you evaluate a stock investment is the same way you evaluate a, a wager. So first two years of NFL, 64%. 52.5% is break even. That ends up being over $100,000 in profit each year betting uh, $1,000 each game. Last year, our percentage was lower, 59.7, which we call 60%. But we had Jason, independent verification. Jason, it was 59.7. But then, usually in the playoffs, I'm around 65%. This goes to another business magazine. If you are the smartest, toughest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So by the time the playoffs came along, we went to 76%. And that because of Scott. Scott was ready to go for the playoffs. And we said, okay, right? We put our ego at the door. Maybe Scott knows more about this playoff game than I do. Let me ride with Scott's dude. That's what Chad would say. Let's ride Scott. Jimmy and his $29,000 was because Scott knows horse racing. I'm just studying horse racing. The year before, we got two out of the three Triple Crown races at 12 to 1. Good profit there. This year with Scott, we got all three profits. And we gave you one exacta. This made up from not giving you a winner on the first two. You made money, though. And on the Twitter feed, you got Desert, whatever, 45 to 1, that won. And then Scott gave you the exact because in business, if you're the toughest, smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. And again, uh, we give you business maximum. We give you mental health first aid kits. We're not psychotherapists like my wife, but there's certain mental health tick, uh, tricks and tricks, I would say, and and uh, tips, tips and tricks, right? English is my second language, so I have to be careful. I don't say a curse word in Spanish that's okay for the Cubans, but the Colombians will be mad at. So it's tips and tricks for mental health, watching games, right? Which comes into arbitrage, which is a business, but it's also mental health. Bet on at least 10 games. And what you want to do is get seven or eight out of 10 which is over 52.5% that is break even. Diversity is not race or gender or disability. Only it encompasses region, encompasses age. That's why Chad and Chance, right? Starting quarterback for Power Five that we had a great interview that's doing really well. People liked it. We have sources in the NFL, current former players, players in college, that we learn from, we get information from. They make us young. Scott is in the Northeast. I'm in the West Coast. And we kind of blend that information so you make money. So Scott, two-part series, and it really, uh, you mentioned it before, and for me it's very true that looking at the history of corruption ties in with the horse racing because really it's about learning your surrounding, learning what, and this is going to be a big theme here. And I'll get into those after you get your first thoughts, 
but selective prosecution. So it's going to be both parts, like Linda Rice and if we did the other. This is going to be a biography that's going to go from broad to narrow. And we're going to talk about the corruption that's in the NFL. Now, the corporate world is corrupt. Uh, the governments of the top 115 countries, according to the economists, are corrupt. The economists wanted to do a study of the 115 countries with uh, corruptions, which didn't, which did not. All of them have corruption. The, the church is corrupt. Look at the Catholic priest. Uh, Protestant churches are corrupt. Muslim churches. <laughs> we could go on and on. So why not the NFL be corrupt? The reason we educate ourselves on that is so we can stay, have a high margin above 52.5%. That's why 76% in the NFL playoffs is important. 56% in the NBA playoffs. We have to do an evaluation. We still made, God bless America, $15,000. So what are your first thoughts, Scott, as we get into this? Part one, the historical corruption, where everything comes from here in the NFL. So this takes um, corruption to a whole new level, this NFL. Don't forget the NFL has been around for decades and decades and, and centuries. So, um, you know, the NFL just within the last five years did their 100-year anniversary team and all that other stuff. So when you – when you, yeah, and when so when you look at corruption, you know, you look at owners, you look at coaches – you look at players like an, if you remember Arch Schlister back in the day with the Colts, he right. he bet on he bet on football and he got caught. And you know, not in the NFL, but in baseball, Pete Rose, you know, he bet on games. Right. So that there is more now than there ever has been more access to betting, to getting in trouble, to being found out. There's just many, many ways. So this is, this will shed a light on a lot of stuff that people did not even know of. So I am looking forward to this as we did with the horse racing. So, right. We did this podcast last year as well. And I'm going to listen to it to bring more juice to the, uh, the current, when we talk about current corruption that is going on. So I want to start off because people are like, I remember doing a recall on some corrupt city councilmen, people are like, why do I care about corruption? And first thing that I think the average fan should care about, in my opinion, let me know what you think, Scott, about corruption. What corruption does, it raises the price for the average guy. If there wasn't corruption, everybody did everything on the up and up, prices would be less. Same thing with, right? Uh, if the owner of something is greedy, and the great-grandkids are well-off, right? Their legacy is set. They like to charge high prices, right? Because of the power. So we go from and that. And also the thing with last year's source racing for crime. Once you have all the money you can think of, once your legacy is set to where your great-great-grandkids are rich, you flip to power, right? You, it becomes a power struggle. You want to be as powerful as you can. So you raise prices and you have only your people in. I know that I can't go to a press box personally. I have to sit with the regular fans or in the cheap seats because when somebody catches the ball, I'm like, catch the ball, guy. 
damn it. What the S your problem? <laughs> right? I do that in a suite. Everybody starts looking at me. Yeah, they're whining, raising their eyebrows. Why is this guy screaming? Where's security? Get him out of here. So that's that's the main number one problem with, with corruption. It excludes people. It makes prices higher for the regular fans, i.e. fan appreciation game giant system. What, what do you think, Scott? Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> so you're sitting at a game and you look next to you and the, the fan that's next to you is yelling and screaming and the coaches are, are coaching a different way than they usually do. You can almost you can almost bet that there's something going on. I mean, coaches are coaches. They coach a certain way. They're always going to coach a certain way. Players are players. They're always going to play a certain way. They never deviate from that, never. So when you see something going different with coaches and players, you can almost bet there's something going on in the background. If Pete Carroll all of a sudden became a passing coach, something's going on. <laughs> something's going on. Just like a fan. If you know, if a fan. Yeah, so then one of the prices go up, right? So, yep. yeah. It, it the sensors go up. The red lights go up in your brain. What you're hey. talking about now is that we're not saying that all the games are fixed. We're not even saying that any of the games are fixed. Yeah. You, just know that in order to predict the outcomes, we have to get to as close to the truth as possible. Correct. As you as you say all the time. As you say all the time. You know, any, any axiom that you say merits listening to and yeah. thinking about it. Right. Yeah. Because business results I've had and then the sports betting results I have giving away all the picks free here on the podcast and on the Twitter feed. Then listening to you, then you made money, money on the exact, then you made Chad and I money, right? And Chad, right? And Scott on the NFL playoffs, who won 76%, 80%. And then we right. know to go the opposite on your Celtics. <laughs> oh, yeah. That could that could be a, a two and a half hour podcast on its own, as we talked about before the show started. But, yeah, but, um, but the, the the thing is, right, that again we get to selective prosecution before we get into details. Uh, what selective prosecution means? We the horse racing board, Linda Rice, perfect example. The horse racing board in New York, Belmont, which is going to come up shortly. Uh, has accused her of and has proven things that Scott and I would be in jail for 30 years. No doubt. Not going to jail. All she has is fine because of selective prosecution. The, the, the prosecutor's not going to prosecute her for that because he can't. He'll get killed. By who? The Genovese family. The, the mob, whoever. Maybe even rich people that aren't mobs. More ruthless are rich people that don't belong to mobs because they have no codes or anything. They, they'll just hire somebody to kill you. And pay off the police, right? So right. we know that NFL games have been fixed in the past. And we'll get into games that have been fixed in the past. The other oh, part okay. of it is marketing, right? Yep. Both Scott and I have made, I've paid for vacations consistently using business and financial concepts and, and say, okay. In this game, 
how much money is the NFL going to make dependent on the outcome? And if they rig the outcome, is it illegal? No. Is it unethical? Yes. Would you do something unethical for $100 billion? Scott and I, the answer would be no. But about 80 to 90% of people, the answer is what? Yes. <laughs> yeah. We have to yeah. be what? aware of our surroundings. No so doubt. You they kill. Let me know your thoughts, and, and then we'll start with uh, the art historical of corruption in the NFL. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, people that have mo- have a ton of money want even more, and they'll do anything to get it. And then that's the big thing is, is these athletes have millions of dollars. Okay, some of them fritter it away and end up with nothing. You know, i.e., bad investments, gambling, whatever it may be. Um, and some athletes and some pe- coaches and owners they know how to take care of the money. So that's the whole thing. Is is when you say that people that have fritted away their money will do that in a heartbeat. You won't even have to think about it. As soon as you, as soon as you get the last word out of your mouth, they'll be like, yes, I'm in, I'm in. But people, sensible people like you, like me, like, like people that save their money would, will absolutely say no. And that, and that's the big thing that you have to know in life is you don't get baited into something that you don't know anything about. And that's the whole thing. So, exactly. And because it makes us feel good to be ethical, are there bit ethics that we, you know grow up with? Now, as a fiduciary, right? As someone with securities license, and then my wife as a psychotherapist, we are duty bound by our oaths and our licenses not to do the public any harm. Yeah, and the, and the other thing is, on, on piggybacking off of that, is surround yourself with people that you trust and that you know, yeah. and that you you like, and and be ready to hear the honest truth from those people. Because yeah, sometimes yeah. it's, you don't want to hear the truth, but you have to. Literally. And, that, and, that, and that's, that's my My job is to tell people things that make them feel uncomfortable. As a business concierge, you know, I like to say business consultants, 90% of business consultants don't know what they're talking about. So as a consultant, as a wealth manager, I, it's literally my job to make people feel uncomfortable and tell them things they do not want to hear. Yep. Yep. You know, it's, oh, this is the value that your mother-in-law brings to this company, but Josh. Uh, I can't fire her. That you know that my, my marriage will be over. And I'm like, I didn't say the fire. I didn't say anything about fire. I just told you the value that you offers in the company. You're yeah. the boss. You can do whatever you want. You just need to know what the value that your mother-in-law brings to this company. So that that's literally my job, and and we do that for sports betting. Like, don't bet your own team. Right. Right. And, and the other thing I will tell you is this, is that a lot of these owners that, that we will talk about and a lot of these people we will talk about do not have people around them saying, no, don't do that. No. They only have yes people. I'll give yeah. you a perfect example. Yeah. John Gruden, that's the most recent um, storm in the NFL, one of the most recent storms. He didn't have anybody tell him not to send emails. He didn't have anybody tell him no. He yeah. just did it. That next week. We'll get into yeah. 
We'll break yeah, down and, and, and because the whole John Gruden sequence. Yeah. There's a lot of things going on there. A lot of lessons for all of us, including lessons teaching people for 13 years. The fact that every single text message you sent, every single, I did it on a race for Monday yesterday, every single text you sent, I hate to say it, but read them two or three times. You know somebody's problematic? Read that email twice. Read that text twice. Save all the text and know that anything you write or look at uh, Biden's daughter's diary, right? Uh, Tucker Carlson's reading from it. Every Even something you write down in a diary, be prepared for it to be presented in the court. If you're not above a certain level where selective prosecution comes in. So to, to set this term, which is going to be a theme of the podcast, but selective, well, since I've been talking a lot about selective prosecution, in your words, Scott, what do you think I mean when I say selective prosecution? Well, we talk about the horse racing thing. Uh, true crimes. It's very simple. When they selectively prosecute, they pick the cases that they feel are imp more important than the other cases, exactly. i.e. a Linda Rice, say she gets in the hot water. Her case would be more important than the guy that went into your local Walmart and stole a candy bar. That's what selective prosecuting is. They will pick the Linda Rice case it's going to be uh, prosecuted, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, it's he's easier to do. It's very clear cut. And the guy stealing a candy bar can't give the cop $100,000 in cash. Exactly. Little rights can't give the cop $100,000. So, what selective prosecution is, which that's another law I like to have changed where uh, you're kind of forcing DAs and cops to prosecute all crimes. You see a crime, uh, force a crime, prosecute the crime. No more judgment because I think humans have, uh, have basically told us through history that they're not good at that. <laughs> they're not good at judgment, right? So selective prosecution is there's too many crimes being committed to get all. So the prosecutor and the cops have discretion on which crimes to enforce and which crimes to prosecute. So the FBI since the beginning the NFL have been involved in this. And they have chosen not to. When I say they, we're talking Richard Nixon. We're talking the guy who worked for Dwight uh, Eisenhower, Ronald Reagan, the Bushes. Yep. And it kind of stopped with Paul Tagliabue and the Clintons. But yep. now you had Trump for four years. See, I have direct evidence. I went to Trump Tower and you know, collected money for bets. But the money who owed bets from the guy who now got indicted. And when he was indicted, Trump came out and gave him a standing ovation. People were cheering him as he's walking out of the handcuffs. And everybody checked out his cheering. That was the one guy that, uh, that I worked with. Uh, 
So Trump yeah. obviously uh, slips, right? Daniel. Yeah. Now I know yeah. that Daniel's down Trump. And Daniel would make bets, but he never collected from Daniel because he was allowing this to go in Trump Tower. So the ties between Trump and the NFL and Roger Goodell, right, who started with Tagovailoa, we'll go next. We'll, we'll start next time. So, mm -hmm. uh, the city. All right, Scott. We'll start with this. In 1906, was the first fixed professional football game. Well, this is before my time. Even yeah. I'm old, but even before my time, it was Kent, yeah, Kenton, Ohio. 1933. But this is where the corruption starts. Yeah. It's all and it's all the sports bet. So, 1906, the first professional football game was fixed. Okay. And it's going to be very important to city in six weeks, I believe. It's the city where it's always the first pro football game of, of the year. What city is that? That's uh, uh, um, I could say something funny, but I won't. Canton, Ohio. It's Canton. Yeah. It's yeah, and, and <laughs> Hall of Fame. It makes sense. And Massillon, Ohio, was playing Canton, and owners got together and said, "Hey, let's just schedule two games. You beat us the first game. We'll go over there, beat you the second game, and let's get the fans arguing and going crazy." For a third game to settle, and that's the real game we'll have. We, we won't even know who's going to win that game, but the, the whole thing is to make money on that third game, which I guess makes sense because that was the boxing era, and when we were up with boxing, that's what they did, right? With Joe Frey and Ali and all that, they always had three fights. Boy, I wish I had been around to bet that game. <laughs> if I knew about it, or the guy listening to it, the secretary listening to it. And then guys were saying they didn't know who to bet on. Right? Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and. The mafia, the Cleveland mafia, which is a big theme in it. Because when you talk about casino and when you talk about the guy, we'll talk about uh, Rosenthal. Right. And the second thing is stuff from Rosenthal. And I'd like to see your thoughts on Rosenthal. Lefty Rosenthal from the movie Casino. He worked for the Cleveland Mob. Other than that, Scott can come in. All right, so that was the first known, documented, uh, fixed game, right? So from there, there was a family that owns uh, 10 racetracks around the country in 1933, and there were three friends. One of the friends is called uh, Bidwell. Last name Bidwell. Another friend was Art Rudy, and the other friend was Mara. They own own race tracks, but before they owned race tracks, <laughs> what did they do, Scott? Especially before Rudy, they own race tracks. Before Rooney, they were involved with another famous Irish family in the 1920s before Prohibition in your neck of the woods, Massachusetts. Irish family in my neck of the woods. One of them became president. I that number short on time. That, that oh uh, yeah, that that would be the Kennedy family. Yeah, right. So the Kennedy or, family, or family, the Rooney's, in the Bidwells, 
parlayed their bootlegging money for illegal beer sales for NFL teams. That's why the now Arizona Cardinals is the oldest franchise in the NFL. Now, Daddy Rooney was the bookmaker for Belmont Park, which is at the, the Belmont the State and then the Rice, right? And then Bert yep. became owner of the Eagles. And during the 1930s into the 40s, this guy got popped by the IRS. Who was Burt Bell's best friend? Al Capone. The original owner of your Philadelphia Eagles. Don't don't forget, these franchises have moved a lot. Right. Philadelphia hasn't. The Cardinals have. Right. Okay. Right. And the other thing is with these owners, these are longtime owners. Right. Well, thirties you had Pittsburgh, same family owning. Rooney. The, I talk that, about family teams that don't pay for backup. Steel is a one. Steel is a one. So when you when you look at when you look at what Josh is talking about and what Josh has mentioned, is that helps us come the NFL season because the Roonies have their money in a lot of other places beside the Steelers, the Maras, a lot of other places beside the Giants. Bidwell definitely has his money in a lot, a lot of other places Bidwell's besides the Cardinals. Bidwell is different. Yes, Bidwell is different. The only money they have is linked to the team because they got in trouble and they sold assets, right? Yeah. Yeah. The assets they sold was because they got in trouble, right? People like spending money. Uh, the other part of it is I've been watching management in the Downton Abbey. Really, the whole Downton Abbey is about this. The Trump family is about this, right? Yeah. Uh, dynasties, you doesn't matter how much money they have, only last generations. 80%. Right. Of right. Uh, Agreed. 20% Agreed. of the time is the fourth generation have money. Right? So you have Trump's dad, you have Trump, and then you have Coke addict Don Jr. If Don Jr.'s kid's going to be rich, Statistically, 80% of the time would be no. The Bidwells ran into trouble, and so did Mike Brown and them, where they got bailed out by selective prosecution. Mm -hmm. Bailed out because they're too big to fail, so people gave them money, but they had to sell pieces of the team. Really, that's what got Burt Bell in trouble, where he sold so many pieces of the team, he had to sell the whole pie. All right? Right. So you have those families, you have Gene uh, Klein, right? Their own horse racing, horse tracks. Talk about next week. Gene Klein. We'll get into Gene Klein. And then from Gene Klein, these are all uh, owners with no mafia, right? We'll have a full list on the episode. Yeah, and the other the other thing to mention here is you will hear some names in this in this next week that you you. Have never heard of, some people have never even heard of before. Right. And it, so it, that, and it affects uh, certain things. Like the Giants are three and ten, and they're playing the nine and four Cardinal. We're betting the Giants because why? New York is such a big market. And yep. talking about, it. believe me, the rest know 
Remember, for ref makes a bad call, it's not illegal. Might be unethical, but 100% it's not, not illegal. Not illegal. So then exactly. you are total family, right? In Louisiana, they've, there's been two governors who won elections from jail. First was Huey Long, and his slogan was, uh, there's three dollars coming to you or, or out there from taxes. I'm going to steal two and get one. My opponent is going to steal all three dollars. Vote for a crook you know versus voting for a crook you don't know. You don't know. Exactly. Eddie exactly. Edwards, uh, uh, Eddie Edwards uh, Jr., who had a reality show, was in jail with Edward D. Bartolo Jr., who family was the owner of your San Francisco, Francisco 49ers. 49ers. Yep. And Eddie Edwards won that election from jail. And he used that. He used that to long line. There's $3 in taxes in the pot. Myself, yeah. my friend Eddie, we stole two, but we gave one back. My opponents are going to steal all three. <laughs> yeah. And, and this, it, when you talk about corruption in the NFL, you could do a podcast every or show every day about a new topic. There's been so much in the in the last 20 years, but go back 50, 60 years, you know, you go back to owners that are that have been bezeled, owners that, you know, Daniel Snyder's enthralled, enthralled in something right, right so now. Daniel Snyder will be next week. Yep, and that's next week. And, you know, DiPadolo for the 49ers, he was involved in shady stuff. As we've talked about before, actually still the quarterback of the Colts. Right? So Bartolo was convicted of yep. several felonies. In Louisiana, and what happens yep. when people get convicted of a felony, especially people high up, you can only imagine what they've been doing for the last 23 years. It has not been caught. Exactly. And that's why these guys, when they, when you start hearing, you know, coming up for these, these awards and these landmark things in their life, the first thing that's always mentioned is he was found guilty of such and such. So whether it be betting, whether it be uh, anything to do with the law, FBI, whatever. So you got to keep that stuff in mind when you bet. I mean, it, it's, it's truly, this stuff truly leads into betting as the horse racing true crimes did. It led into betting. NFL corruption that we're going to talk about the, you know, next week and we've talked about already. That stuff is really, really important and you should be listening. And as Josh has told me, the numbers have pointed out people are listening, which is which is great, which is great. So, yeah, because this information again, since my wife's been a psychotherapist, seventeen years, I have clients that were fifty million and above. Things happen. There's yeah. not disseminated general population that you know with our language skills, we can go ahead and give people that information that you're not hearing on CNBC, NBC, Fox, Newsmax, OAN. CNN, yep. nobody's giving you this information, but again, it's not idle information. It's information you use to predict the outcome of games at a high level, right? Yep. So uh, who is Edward DeBartolo? Edward DeBartolo is a multimillionaire from the DeBartolo family who got uh, put in jail for multiple yep. companies. Uh, 
with Riverboat Gambling down in the bayou. So again, we're going to have some fun down on the bayou. He was the owner of, very generous owner of the San Francisco 49ers. Have exactly. that. He uh, paid for an operation for my friend's uh, knee, and he had career in knee in surgery uh, with the New Orleans Saints when they played the 49ers. And generously, DiBartolo paid for the operations on his knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, he graduated from Notre Dame, multi-billionaire, co-founder and CEO of the Simon DiBartolo Group that owned uh, many malls in the United States. But uh, his family, his father, Edward DiBartolo Sr., was the head of the uh, orchestrary again, like uh, we talked about Steve Wynn of the Cleveland Mafia that bled into Lefty Rosendale in the Cleveland Mafia, which we'll talk about next week. So I send you information, and we'll close with this, because then you have to go, Scott. Uh, Lefty Rosendale. Uh, What did you glean from that? A whole chapter from that book, Interference, Lefty Rosendale, about who Lefty Rosendale is and what he means to the line we see today from FanDuel, from DraftKings, from the Line Institute, from William Hill, right? I don't know about the line, right? You you, you have to, first rule of betting, do not bet your own team. Second rule of betting is always do your research. Yeah. And start a training camp. I'm going to post that article. They have it up, and I'm going to put it in a newsletter. We'll get up to We'll have, I gotta make it a quarterly newsletter. We'll have the first newsletter come up in the next couple of weeks. So when we when we talked about the, the horse race, we talked about some people that were behind the scenes people that were not brought to the surface. And and this person is one of them. You know, we talked about Linda Rice, never never got brought up to the scene. Right. With this, with this person is this person is very integral in what we do for the most part as a podcast. And that's Benning. And this, this person was the basic person that was a line maker, set lines, was the guy that brought Benning to the surface. When you think of pioneers in, in the industry, in, in any industry walk of life, this, this person was a pioneer in sports betting and the FanDuel sports book and the DraftKings. That's where they are now is because of this person. So a lot of people have, have this guy to thank for, for what, what is going on now. So I, I look at him as the, very interesting, right? Because yeah. a lot of this becomes full circle, right? Like the, yes. family, the he started it all. He started all and brought it full circle. So the thing Rosenthal is that his line made casinos and the Cleveland Mafia a lot of money because he was not just good at math, he was good at psychology in realizing that fans are betting their own team. The fans are betting on emotion, right? Like Scott, Scott was 80% in NBA games not involving the Celtics. So we experimented a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was Celtics. 
I think Celtics game. He missed all the Celtics team. And it made a lot of sense, right? That's why, you know, they had to put a disclaimer on Twitter, right? Scott from Boston with the Celtics pick. But now we know for next year, I'll pick the Celtics games. But Scott pick all the other ones so we can go 80% on Scott's other pick. He the over-unders, but the Celtics is right, – right, I right, picked right. against him a couple times. Yeah, I picked he, against him a couple yeah, times. It couldn't but, be objective. They're the team from your childhood. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, that, yeah. and, and USF games. Like people are like, Josh, I know, just tell me he's going to win the USF game. I'm like, believe me, I can't because I'm emotional about USF. I can't think. Ex- exactly. Exactly. So he, took and, and, that. he took advantage of that. And besides, he was good in math. Uh, but he also fixed uh, NYU basketball games in the 1960s. He was also indicted uh, in, let's see, in 1959, he was indicted for fixing sporting events. So not only did he know college, not only did he know math, he, he fixed games, multiple sports bribery charges, and he moved the information to North Day Village in Florida. Now that's interesting because that's the mafia village where that girl went that went missing and then they were trying to look for the guy and then they found the guy shot. <laughs> he was with those monsters in North Bay. That's why they get kid in and shot. But that's where but, the was. But also make no mistake, this guy was as important to the mafia as anybody else because he made him money and he 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 kept them as rich as they possibly could. Not as possible as they could be, but but as, as comfortable as they possibly could be. So this, this guy is very important to what the Cleveland Mafia back in the 1900s and, and beyond in terms of funding them and giving them money. So, you know, that guy is important. That guy is as important as any other guy. So if you go to any Mafia syndicate in America – there is always one guy that is making that mafia syndicate money. And they're as important as anybody else in that. So when, you know, so, you know, it's very important to the genesis. So this is how it goes full circle. We'll close with this and let me know, Scott, your thoughts. Yep. It actually took years to put this all together. So you watch the movie Casino, right? Uh, Jerry McGee, who he married May 4th, 1969, was played by, um, I want to say Susan Sarandon, but it isn't, uh, Sharon Stone. Big thing it was he goes, starts up the car, the car blows up, he doesn't die, because they try to kill him. Uh, the Joe Pesci character was real. So October 4th, 1982, he survived the assassination attempt. Uh, seems like for a lot of the time he was a snitch with the FBI. That's why they have a lot of information. Uh, it seems like the Cleveland mob, the Kansas City mob, wanted to kill him because Kansas City wanted to take over the hotels at those times. In 1982, that's not that long ago. I was 11, 12 years old. Uh, that wasn't a long time ago. 1982, 1984, FBI wiretap, calling Rosenthal, crazy, split Toro, played by Joe Pecci. Uh, eventually, was trying to kill him. 
And then they got some outlaw bikers in Nevada, right? Uh, trans, you know, transporting narcotics, making deals with the mob. He was involved. Then Rosenthal left Las Vegas six months later and moved here, where I currently live, Laguna Niguel, California. You know, Laguna Niguel, California is five miles that way to go jogging there. Very beautiful. Who lives? Who was his neighbor? Meyer Lansky. We'll put links to Meyer Lansky. And Meyer Lansky's best friend was who? Rosenblum, owner of your Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles Rams. Married Georgia Frontieri, who then sold the team to Walmart, the corner owners of Walmart. Now, Walmart, there's a Walmart, owned two NFL teams, St. Louis and Denver. And we'll get to Stan Kroenke. <laughs> Next week, when we start talking about current corruption, current NFL owners in newspaper articles being with Roger Goodell. And, and gets into it, Daniel Snyder getting accused of crimes. So just remember, too, with Cronky, the unair conditioned SoFi Stadium, he had to borrow more money to finish that that stadium. So there's, there's a lot of shady stuff going on with him because he got a lot of money to move to, to Los Angeles from St. Louis, and he needed to borrow more money just to pay off that stadium. So that that's a that's a story in itself. Yeah, and the reporter at Name Pointer Institution, I actually did, uh, I worked as a consultant, full disclosure, for Turner Construction, who got the billion-dollar contract for it. So that's how I know with my own eyes that it ran into seven or about eight billion dollars when it was supposed to be five billion dollar state. Yeah. And it goes back to another key element fans forget, especially sports betters forget. Mm -hmm. That McDonald's and Verizon Wireless. McDonald's makes more money off commercial real estate yep. than it does selling burgers. Yep. Look at cell phones. Wow, cell phones. They're giving me an iPhone 13 uh, cell phone. Man, those, they make a lot of money. Verizon Wireless makes more money off commercial real estate than it does off selling airtime for cell phones. Yep. NFL is a commercial real estate company. Max Brown, we did interview Max Brown, number one Gatorade player of the year, starting quarterback at USC. He's now in commercial real estate. With a big USC alumni. Yeah. NFL's a commercial real estate company. And you say, Josh, you're crazy. Josh, that's a conspiracy theory. Well, you know what? I think Scott, I think Jim did. I know I did. Pretty sure Chad did. And the year before. Two years in a row, we cashed Super Bowl futures because we knew that Tampa Bay was going to win on their home stadium and that the Rams were going to win on their home stadium. No doubt. So that no, no. Next week, what do you think, Scott? Closing, closing thoughts. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. You, you could make this a hundred pot series. There's a lot of stuff in the NFL that goes but, on. Concentrating it to yes, close to the truth, so we can predict outcomes and have yep. a high percentage above fifty-two percent. Yep. So, so to me, 
this this helps you in betting because you know the cheap owners, you know the owners that don't want to pay, and you know the owners that want to pay. And that that immeasurably helped us out during last NFL season because when people were betting a team and we said, no, 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 no don't bet them, no. go the other way, the other way came in more times than not. So well, – Well, it's last ten, and they're going to Giant Stadium on Thanksgiving. It's Giant Stadium on Thanksgiving, traditional game tomorrow's biggest yep. market. Oh, I'm getting points. Thank you. It's easy money for us. Yep. I mean, it's just it's just a simple fact that you have to know, and as Josh says, the number two rule in betting, do your research. And this, this is part of helping you do your research. We're laying out all the stuff to you. Now you just have to walk to that window, put that bet in, cash that ticket, and send a tweet out thanking the ESBC for, for helping you win. As Jason, yeah, as link there where you can uh, give us twenty five dollars. <laughs> yeah, in your card, uh, give us twenty five bucks. Yeah, so so to me, so this is all going to charity. No, no, a hundred percent of us. The money that comes in is going to be split between the people on the podcast. <laughs> so to to me, this is invaluable. This is definitely invaluable to to you as a better. It is. I do this every year, regardless whether it's a podcast or not. To yep. really get down to what's really going on here. Yep. Yep. So, you know, enjoy it. You know, listen to it. Take in what you will. You know, you're not going to remember everything. But if you remember key bullet points to, to what we talk about in this podcast and next week, you'll be a much better better. I know I am. In these two years, I've made more money betting than I, than I or the year and a half than I ever have. So to me, not only are you on it, but you also listen. You go back and you listen and you take because you can't during the podcast. So go back and listen, write down some stuff, and then just remember it. Have it in a notebook. Just remember it. Notes from it. Yeah. You have yeah. money from it. And these podcasts is designed with a large shelf life. Or- yeah. And when I send out those tweets saying ESBC is on a roll, ESBC, it's like gold. It's because it is. It's, I mean, look, the, the proof is in the video. You can go back and watch any video you want on YouTube. You type in ESBC and there's the videos. You know, everything's documented. Josh has it documented. It's everything's down there. Everything's documented. We all have yep. spreadsheet. You want to link to the spreadsheet. We got it. Also, we got the rules of evidence. We're not lawyers. We're not prosecutors. But there's certain rules of evidence. We learned video evidence is the best. Everything has to be contemporaneous. Everything yep. has to be corroborated by other people. And I'll make sure too. I'll go back and make sure all the links are in there, so you can see either a link to uh, public records, to court records that you can read. We have a link to the the indictment with Jason Service. Uh, we'll put a link to the Greek Mafia from Tarpon Springs. So next week, let me know if this sounds good, and we'll give them a. Uh, Churchill. Next week, uh, we'll finish the Bartolo family. As we get into it now, we'll talk about Gene Klein, portrait mm-hmm. industry, who sold charges to this family. So then we'll get into current corruption and crime. Is what gives you higher prices? 
Yep. Right? And yep. corruption helps you get close to the truth so you can predict outcomes. So we'll go Spanos, we'll go Daniel Snyder, Roger Goodell, we'll go uh, Stan Kroenke <laughs> as it delves into John Gruden. <laughs> Those those could all be just just city councils and companies. Just so you all know, all those names could be one podcast, each of them in their own. And very easily, very easily. But we'll give you a lot of information and, and that that's a good that's a good set of names to, to do next week because there's a lot of lot of meat on the bone, so to speak, with all of them. So Right, and we get a lot of tips and stuff uh, that we can't tell you who it is. But if I'm telling you something, is because we're on fiduciary and securities license. I cannot do the public any harm. So that's information that could be read in court. We can go to court and look at the validity of it. What, what corroboration do I have? What video do I have? What documentation do I have? Yeah. And contemporary. And don't forget before Josh gives you Churchill is if me and Josh and you people listening, a lot of you people listening out there did what these people do, we'd be in jail for the rest of our lives. So we'll be on the other side of selected prosecution. Yes. Yes. Selected to be prosecuted. (laughs) We pick this one. This is the one we're picking today. So yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Josh and, and Scott. The wife's have insurance on them. So if they're gone, they're probably worth more gone than, with, than being there. So, with yourself said, we give everything away for free, free to tip us, free goodwill offering. Also, we're going to have links to the Chance for Heisman, Chance Stolen t shirt, Chance. We have links to that merchandise. We have merchandise to, uh, we tried them out and they're good. Help them. I'm in. I'll buy. I'll buy a hat and a shirt. Yeah, the gummy bear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Listen, he's on the he's on the Phil Steele magazine for a reason. Yeah, for a reason. Yes. So. Yes, yes. Same here, man. So yep. we give everything away. So church, Winston Churchill said, "You make a." And I'll do this. Let me see what you think, Scott. But we'll do this. Okay. Uh, if somebody really feels like they want to give us a five star review, I will give them a uh, chance Nolan t shirt. Wow. Okay. Okay. We got, we got three years got the, our first four stars. We got five on the story part. Mm-hmm. We got four everywhere else. The person said they gave us four because they never. <laughs> for, for people, for, not a principle. But they, listen, for, the they like the story. They like the story of Linda Rice. For people that have won because of of what we said and what we we've told them, you should be giving us five star rate. No doubt about it. I, yeah. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. I think. Buy one. So, yeah. not twisting your arm, but that's what you should be doing. So, but what's the church will say? You make a living from your labor, but you make life from what. You give. Thank you for listening to the SPC Podcast Network.